0: Today's daf is Kaf Vav in Masechet Betzah. We are starting on Kafe Amud Bet. We are at the last line of the Amud with the new Mishnah: If a firstborn animal falls into a pit, Rabbi Udaumer, yiraem, bomom, yeshchot, laav, no The issue is that, generally speaking, a uh, a 1st animal, a firstborn a first-born male animal, has kedusha. And uh, although nowadays we don't offer it, obviously, as a korban, it's given to the Kohen. And when it develops a mum, when it develops a blemish, then it can be slaughtered and eaten in the normal fashion, not as a korban. And that just ends up being a gift to the Kohen. So the issue is, if it falls into a pit on Yom Tov, there's nothing we can really do about it, assuming that it doesn't have any blemish. But Rabbi Yehuda says, have an expert go down into the pit, check it out, examine it. If it has a mum, we can pull it up and slaughter it. And if not, then we just have to uh, leave it. There's nothing we can do about it. Now, uh, she explains here that it's not that Rabbi Yehuda is saying that this just occurred um, randomly on the Yom Tov. Because since Rabbi Yehuda holds of the concept of muktzeh, which means things have to be designated for use or at the very least capable of being used, On Erev Yom Tov, so that means that when the Yom Tov began, so that must mean that this Bukhor had some kind of a uh, mum prior to the Yom Tov, but just that the person, the owner, didn't have a chance to have it inspected before the Yom Tov began. And that's why he's having it inspected now. But if the condition itself didn't exist on Erev Yom Tov, then for sure, it would have been Moktseh anyway. Rabbi Shimon said any case in which the defect of the animal, the blemish, was not discernible prior to the Yom Tov, this is not considered mukhan, this is not considered prepared, and therefore it is not allowed to be used on Yom Tov. Now Rashi again pipes in here and points out that Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold of the concept of muktzeh. So it can't be that he means mukhan in the sense of muktzeh or not muktzeh. What he means is that when if this is a, an animal that didn't have any discernible blemish on Erev Yom Tov. So that means that what the mumche is doing, what the expert is doing by declaring it to be blemished is basically fixing it. It's a type of a tikkun. It's a type of a uh, repairing or a judgment uh that is being done on the Yom Tov and that's why uh, the rabbis prohibited it and he wouldn't be able to uh, he wouldn't be able to release that animal and allow that animal to be used on the Yom Tov. So according to the way Rashi is interpreting it both of them are assuming both Rabbi Uda and Rabbi Shimon could be talking about a case in which there was a blemish there present already on Erev Yom Tov and where the expert didn't view it on Erev Yom Tov he viewed it on Yom Tov. According to Rabbi Judah, that's fine since there was a blemish already there on Erev Yom Tov and it's just a matter of clarification so when the expert comes and views it on Yom Tov, he releases it uh, for use. According to Rabbi Shimon, no, uh, the fact that there was nobody who viewed it before Yom Tov means that this viewing on Yom Tov is actually what's creating the permissibility of the animal, and that's a type of a din, a type of a judgment, a type of a fixing of the animal, and that's why it is not allowed on the Yom Tov. Now, this is the way that Rashi interprets it. Tosfot has several uh, questions on Rashi, uh, and uh, on how Rashi is interpreting the um, the discussion here and the machloket between Rashi—I mean, between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda. but we're just going to stick with uh, Rashi for the sake of simplicity. Although the Tosafot's opinion and approach is important too, and you can take a look at that Tosafot the to, oh, the various Tosafot on this uh, the, on this sugya on this piece of Gemara to get their perspective. Uh, on this, uh, on the development of the Gemara and how they uh, differ from Rashi. In any, hell, in any case, the Gemara says. But what is the argument between uh, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda? And, and it's, it's important to note that I mean Rashi here is deviating a little bit from the simple meaning of the Mishnah because the simple reading of the Mishnah would be that uh, it's a machloket about. Uh, it, it almost sounds like Rabbi Shimon is the one who's holding of the issue of Mukhtse and Rabbi Yehuda is not. So he's inserting a, a background into the Mishnah that doesn't seem to appear there. But in any case, the Gemara asks, If it's just basically what it seems to be on the surface, which is an argument about whether you can have an expert view of Mum on Yom Tov, the Rabbi or in mumin Tov, Rabbi Shimon Sevar, and in mumin Byom Tov, the simple reading of the Mishnah is, the, the question is whether you can have an expert view this Bukhor on Yom Tov, and that's the mechloket. Rabbi Shimon says no. Rabbi Yudah says yes. So, because uh, she uh, it's three So the Gemara explains. In other words, the question is if the machloket is just about whether you're allowed to have an expert view, mumin or not, so why use such a far fetched case of a bukhur that falls into a pit? Just say that you didn't get a chance to have the, uh, an expert come look at the moon before Yom Tov. Can you call the expert to come on Yom Tov? Why do you have to have a case of the pit? So the Gemara says no, because chayim. Because you might have thought, that due to the issue of Tzar Chaim, since we're talking about a case where the Bukhor fell into a pit, so even according to those who might be strict and say, generally speaking, you shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't have uh, the mum viewed on Yom Tov. Um, so you might think that this is a case where, uh, or even... Uh, even the, uh, even, both according to Rabbi Uda and according to Rabbi Shimon, meaning putting aside the issue of whether you're allowed to have an expert come view it or not. Maybe both Rabbi Uda and Rabbi Shimon would say that in this case, since it fell into a pit and it's tarba lechaim, it's painful for the animal to be stuck in the pit. You might say, we'll just pull him out of there and say, uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna find some kind of a moon. I'm sure we'll find some kind of a moon. And, uh, and you can pull it up based on that like Rabbi Yoshua says now what does Rebio Shoa say Rebio Yoshua speaks and we're going to see this later in this in this Gemara uh coming up in a future peric if an animal and its young, we know that you're not allowed to slaughter a mother and its young on the same day. So what if they both fall into a pit? So you can only pull one of them out really technically because if you pull the mother out, yeah, you could say you're going to slaughter the mother, but now you wouldn't be able to slaughter the son for sure because it's prohibited. So you can't pull the son out. And if you pull the son out because you're going to slaughter him, then you know when you're not going to pull the mother out because the mother can't be slaughtered on that day because you're not allowed to slaughter them both on the same day. So Rabbi Yoshua said a trick that basically you take one out on, on the condition that you're going to slaughter it. Then he said, I changed my mind I want the other one and you take the other one out and extract it and that way you avoid the lechayim, the pain of both of the animals so you might have th- think that you do the same thing here right right it's coming to tell you that we don't use that trick. We don't just go ahead and say, well, uh, we'll probably find the mum since it fell into the pit. Let's pull it out. We don't say that, Rabbi Uda says you can bring an expert to determine. Rabbi Shimon says you can't bring an expert. It's not so simple. Now, the Gemara says, If that's true, then why does our Mishnah talk about the shechita of the animal? It talks about the slaughtering. It should rather focus on the question of whether you can pull the animal out if the main point is that you can only pull the animal out when you have certain conditions, or according to Rabbi Shimon, under no condition, so then why does it mention the shechita? Why doesn't it just mention the pulling up of the animal if that's the chidush, that you're not allowed to pull it up? <laughs> because we're talking about a case where you went ahead and you pulled it out anyway. In other words, there are two different issues. One issue is, can you just pull out the animal? And the answer is no. Second issue is, what if you pulled it out already? What can you do? <laughs> so the, you might think you should just go ahead then and slaughter it. a all right, so that's coming to tell you that you cannot just go ahead and slaughter it. In other words, you might have thought that yeah, true that I'm not allowed to just pull it up, but maybe once I pulled it up, I should uh I should now just um I should now just uh uh you know, slaughter it. So it says lishate, what do you mean? Hatamu. It's it's without a blemish. La mumma. No, we're talking about where it has a blemish. But what about the fact that it's a That it it was before Yom Tov, it didn't have a mum. Now it does. So no, It had a temporary type of a blemish on Yom Tov. And now it became a permanent blemish. You might have thought that his mind was on it all along because he knew that that temporary blemish could become permanent and therefore he should be able to slaughter it. It's coming to tell you, no, that that's not the case. It's not so simple. In other words, the uh, according to this, so the, um, in, in other words, if it didn't have any at all the previous day, so obviously it would be muqtah according to Rabbi that it wouldn't even be a question whether you'd be able to use it on uh, Yom Tov. And, uh, and so that for sure uh, is not even a question. But you might think that if it had a temporary blemish and the blemish became a permanent one on Yom Tov, that that would be okay. But again, the Gemara is saying it, no, uh, you cannot say that because of the temporary blemish you had in mind it was going to become a permanent blemish and therefore you'd be able to slaughter it on the Yom Tov, that wouldn't work. So rather we go back, according to Rashi's interpretation of the Mishnah and of the sugya here, to the assumption that basically it had this permanent blemish from before Yom Tov, so the Muktzeh issue is not an issue, it fell into the pit, and still we need to bring an expert to declare, according to Rabbi Yehudah, to declare that the mum is actually what will permit it to be used without any further conditions. According to Rabbi Shimon, there's Nothing we can do. But in other cases, such as where there was no mum from before Yom Tov, or where there was a temporary mum and it fell in, uh, even if you went ahead and pulled it out already and now you're wondering whether you're allowed to slaughter it and it's become a permanent mum now, still we don't allow the person to uh, slaughter the animal under those circumstances. The only circumstance would be where the animal fell into the pit. The expert came and exa- it had a, a, a mum from before. The expert didn't have a chance to see it before the Yom Tov. comes on the Yom Tov, inspects it and he declares that it's good according to Rabbi Yehuda that passes the test according to Rabbi Shimon. You're not allowed to do that either. Now the Gemra goes on, Tanu Rabbeinah and the Rabbis taught, If a uh, Bukhortam, a Bukhortam that has no blemish at all, fell into a pit, Rabbi Uda Nasi uh, says, Have an expert go down and look, Then if it has a mum now, after falling, so let them bring it up and slaughter it, and if not, they won't be able to slaughter it. Rabbi Shem ben said, Don't we have a halakha? That you cannot inspect defects in animals on Yom Tov. But how does it work? If the animal already had a blemish on Erov Yom Tov, you can't check it, you can't have the expert check it on Yom Tov. Nolad Yom Tov. And if the mum emerged on Yom Tov, Rabbi Shimon says this is not considered something that is Mina This It's not considered something that is designated for uh, Yom Tov use. And again, as Rashi explained, that can't be an issue of mukte because Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold like of Moktzeh, but rather that's an issue of it looks like too much of a chidush. It looks like a judgment or a fixing of the animal that the expert will declare it good. So he says no. So, But the implication is that uh, that this is the case in which you would have a difference of opinion, right? In a case where the moon emerged on Yom Tov and you had no chance to take care of it before Yom Tov. Everyone agrees if the animal was born with the moon at that moment on Yom Tov, that it is considered to be capable of being declared a blemished on Yom Tov. And be able to be able to use it. If the animal was born, the bichol was born with its mum on Yom Tov, you can have it inspected on Yom Tov, even the even in the first place. Abba Rabbi Nachman said, My father taught, If the expert came and inspected it, it's good, but he shouldn't come the Chatkhila. And you're telling me that you can come even the Chatkhila in the first place, you can come and inspect it. Makes more sense according to what Rabbi Nachman said, because, because there's actually three clauses in the Bright Abba. It says, If the Mum emerged before Yom Tov, you cannot go and inspect it on Yom Tov which implies that if you did it would count you're just not supposed to the second clause that says if the mum emerged on Yom Tov the implication is there uh, when Rabbi Shimon says it's not minamuchan, it's not considered prepared for the Yom Tov, that even beddiyavad, there's nothing you can do. Even if the inspection happens and the inspector says it as a mum, you still can't use it. And the third case is, that everybody agrees that if the animal is born with the mum on Yom Tov, that then you can have the expert declare it to be okay. Which implies even the chatechila. In other words, since there are three cases, first case is, not the Chatkhila, but yes, Bidiavad. Second case is even Bidiavad, no. And the third case is, even the Chatkhila, but Vaha, Kiata, Rav Oshaya. But when Rav Oshaya came, he came with a different version of the Baita, Benchen, Olaad bomo Mum, Erov Yom Tov, Benchen, Olaad Bo Mum, Yom Tov, Chachamim Chamim O Mim, Enzemena Mukhat, according to their version, whether the mum emerged on Erev Yom Tov, or it emerged on Yom Tov, ends them in a Muchan. It's no good. Even if it's inspected on Yom Tov, it will not be accepted, which implies even B'diyavad. So therefore, what do you have? You have a case. You have only two cases. You have the case of where it's born with the mum, and you have the case where it is either... Has the moon from before or on Yom Tov, according to this, both of them are treated the same way. So it's, it's possible that even the case where it's born with the moon, only Bidiavad it's good, not Lechat Chilav ha What about the above right? that was the version of Adabar uchmi, the mishabish v'tanay, that oftentimes would have mistakes in his b'aytot, and that's why he had three clauses, but really there are only two clauses, and there's a b'diavat, there's okay, and there's a even b'diavat, not okay. But there's no case where we inspect the mumin on Yom Tov, according to that. Our Mishnah also supports this reading, because the Ketanik it says any time that the moon was not discernible from before Yom Tov, it's not considered ready for Yom Tov. What does it mean that the moon was not discernible? If you mean that there was no moon at all, that should be obvious, then certainly it would be a new thing. What it means is that a Chacham did not declare it a mum on Yom Tov. He didn't determine whether it counted as a temporary or a permanent blemish, the latter of the of which would permit it for use by the Kohanim, if it's a permanent one. He says this is not considered ready for Yom Tov. So you see from that that whether it, even when the moom existed before Yom Tov, but it wasn't verified. In other words, when it says it wasn't nikar from erev Yom Tov, it means it doesn't mean it didn't exist from erev Yom Tov. It means it wasn't verified from erev Yom Tov. And he still says even bediavad if it's inspected by the expert, it does not help. You cannot use that mum, that blemished animal only if the moom is declared a a, a blemish on erev Yom Tov can it count to permit it for use on Yom Tov, according to Rabbi Shimon. It says here, Hilal asked, on the side, the Bach says, instead of Hilal shabbat. Can you have Moktze for only half of Shabbat? What does that mean? If something is fit for use, uh, during the twilight hours, between sunset and Tzit HaKochavim, the stars coming out, on the night of Shabbat, on Friday night, if it's prepared for use, if it's ready for use, then it doesn't become mukte. And if it isn't, then it's muktse. So there's no in-between. We're talking about a case where it was ready, but then it became disqualified, but then it became ready again during that time. So the question is, my, Ahmale Yesh said, yes, there is such a muktse. In other words, the, even though, since it went on and off, in other words, the, the, the going on and off during the time that it was off, right? So Rashi says, that um meaning to say that uh that if it became a uh, if it became a muktze uh, thing at one point during Bina Shemashot... It was, meaning it was good during B'nai mashot but then during Shabbat, it became something unusable, and then later on Shabbat, it became usable again. In other words, does it come back, or does it say muktze? And he says, yes, Mukte. Yes, it will make it muktze, even though, in other words, it was fit for use during B'nai Mashot, it became unfit, and then it became fit again, but that moment where it's unfit makes it muktze. So either there is an objection Didn't we see that if the animal, the Bukhor is born with a mum on Yom Tov, it's considered Minamukhan, it's considered okay, but Amai, We could say like this. That when this Bukhor was in the mother, so that at that time, if you had slaughtered the mother, you could have eaten whatever was inside, including this It yaled le Ithele. Once it was born, now it got pushed off. In other words, because now it's a b'chor that requires an expert to declare it as having a mom. So it's actually outside of the realm of our use. And then, And then the chacham comes, the, the expert comes, and he declares it okay. So there was a moment where it was unfit, so it should stay unfit according to that. We're talking about a case where the posek, where the rabbi the, or the expert was right there at the time of the birth, declared it to have a mom on that, you know, uh, uh, at the moment of the birth and that's why it never actually had a moment where it was unfit because it was fit when it was in the mother and when it came out of the mother the, the expert was already there and declared it to have a mom so there was never a moment where it was unfit for use and that's why it doesn't become muktzeh some say Shabbat so the, in, in another version he said no, en muktzeh lechatzi Shabbat there's no such thing as muktzeh for half a Shabbat meaning if something was good during Benish Mashot and then it became bad during Shabbat and then it came back to being good again it's good Right, lema So actually, we have a proof then. So now they're using that as a proof because you see that when the bukhur was in the mother's stomach, in the mother's belly, if you had slaughtered the mother, you could have eaten it too. Then it was born at those moments. It was a Bechor. So you haven't had an expert declare it fit so or declare it blemished. So you can't use it. And then when he declares it blemished, it becomes usable again. So there was a moment where it was unusable and yet it doesn't become Moktzeh. So you see that just because something is unusable for part of Shabbat, that doesn't make it unusable for the whole Shabbat as long as during the beginning of Shabbat it was accessible for use So Gemara says no Same answer we gave before. In other words, you could say that the case of the Bukhur didn't have any third stage, any middle stage. It went from being permitted to permitted because when it was in the mother's belly it was permitted and when it came out there was an expert already there declaring it permitted. There was never a time it wasn't permitted but that doesn't prove for us about a case where there was actually something that went from being permitted to prohibited to permitted again whether it would become Muktzeh by virtue of the fact that it became prohibited for use or unusable for for a discrete period of time in the middle of Shabbat. Tashma come and listen. If a person was eating grapes, and he left some over he decided to make raisins, so he put them on the roof to dry. But or he finished eating his figs and he put them on the roof in order to dry them out to the dried figs. He should not go and eat from those raisins or figs unless he declares that he wants them. Before Yom Tov or before Shabbat, because otherwise they're mukhtseh, they're pushed aside to be drying. They're not available to him for eating right now. The same is true about persimmons and about quinces. That's be in Persian. And all other kinds of fruits. Meaning that if you put them somewhere to dry, the assumption is they're out of your mind, out of sight, out of mind, until you declare otherwise. So, are we talking about? If they are available for eating, meaning if they're edible, why do you need to designate them? And if they are not edible, so what good does your designation do? Maybe he will say he doesn't know what status they have. Hama the uh, the uh, Rav Kana said if you have something that became dried out, and the and the experts, uh, the, the the owners rather don't recognize it. It's mutar. In other words, meaning to say that um, that uh, if it became dried out and therefore it's ready, and it was ready from before Yom Tov or Shabbat, and he goes and he sees the raisins are ready. So even though he didn't know at the beginning of Shabbat that it was already ready, the fact that he sees that it is ready, he can take it. So it doesn't matter. In other words, there's no such thing as new or didn't know. If it's good, it's good. If it's not good, it's not good. El alav, rather, we must be talking about a case. We're talking about a case where they were good because they were on the, they were on the, uh, uh, they were on the roof and they were in a condition where they could be eaten. Okay, because they had, they had, um, uh, they had dried out, but, but they also weren't. In other words, they were somewhere in the middle of the process. Right? I'm sorry, uh, no, no. Th- this is the first answer. Right? The Meaning that they were good. But then they something happened that they got uh, that they were in a state that they were not good, and then they became good again right so therefore what so uh so so the point is they were talking about a case where these fruits became uh were good were in a condition where they were good, and then they became Pushed off, meaning they were not good, and they became good again. And Rashi explains what happened. The guy went up and he said, "I'm designating these, right, Um, uh, and saying that even though if they become unfit at some point, I'm designating them that if they're fit tomorrow when I come to get them, I want to use them, right? That's the hazmana. That's the declaration. So you see, if it were true that they wouldn't have become unfit from being unfit for part of the time, meaning they were good in the beginning of Shabbat, then they became unfit, and then they became fit again." Right? If for, if not for the fact that that happened, so, um, so that when that happened, that makes it muktzeh, so then there would be no point in uh, in him having to make a designation. Because the fact that in between the time, in other words, the beginning of Shabbat, and when he comes to get it at some point during the, the interim, they were unfit, shouldn't affect the muktzeh status. Obviously, it does affect the muktzeh status. And that's why you have to designate it in advance to say that, despite the fact that there might be some point between... The Beginning of Friday night And when I come get the raisins Later on on Shabbat That there's some point At which they were unfit for eating Maybe it rained And made them puffed up Or whatever would have happened It doesn't matter um, Either way uh, You know It must be that That would make it muktzeh And that's why I have to designate it Right El amai Yesh muktzeh Right So then you're going to say That they become muktzeh So ki lo So that doesn't help either. In other words, if you're going to say that from the fact that it became unfit actually renders it muktzah, so even your designation doesn't do any good. In other words, the problem is that if something is available to you and it's in a good condition where you can use it, it shouldn't require a designation. And if it's not in such a state, then it then uh, then it then designation is not going to help. It's muktzah anyway. And if you're going to say that going from a state where it's usable to unusable to usable again renders it muktzah, so your designation is not going to be able to undermine that reality. And if it doesn't make a mukta, then your designation is not necessary to change that reality. Rather, what are we talking about? My la, right? So, therefore, what's going? To, what's the point? The only answer is really the last answer of the Gemara, which is that it's talking about where these dried fruits are at a stage where they are mostly or halfway or whatever, partially ready. Some people eat them at that stage, and some people don't. So if so this person by designating them is saying I'm willing to eat them at this stage a person who doesn't designate them since there are many people who don't eat them at that stage the assumption is they're going to go by default into the category of muktzeh unless he designates them but it has nothing at all to do with fruits that went from being non muktzeh to muktzeh and then non muktzeh again within one shabbat that concept may or may not even exist that if something became unusable in the middle of shabbat it remains muktzeh for the rest of shabbat might not exist so Gemra says, I'll give you a perfect example, Rabbi Zerah says, that something cannot become muktzeh from a change that happens to it on the Yom Tov and then remain muktzeh till the end of Yom Tov, even if it goes back to being good again. Because take beans and lentils. When they're, when they're fresh, people eat them raw. Then you put them into a pot while they're in the process of being cooked actually. They're not really edible. They're in that intermediate state where they're not edible. Then when they're fully cooked, they're edible again. So that went from being edible, non-edible, edible. edible. And yet you see, it doesn't retain its muqtza status. So obviously that intermediate stage where it was not fit for use doesn't ruin its status for the whole Shabbat. According to you, you could just use any pot. In other words, because every pot on Friday afternoon, people put their pots on the stove and they're very hot and they're too hot to eat, right? In other words, when you put it on Benish Mashod, it's heating up still. It's too hot for eating. When you come on Shabbat, it becomes cool again, ready for eating again. Nobody says that's going to make it because at some point in B'nei Mashot, at some point between sunset and the star- stars coming out, it was too hot for being eat- to be eaten, right? We're not talking about, rather says Abaye, about a case where a human being is involved. We're talking about where the finishing is bide It's done by Hashem, so to speak. In other words, in that case, well, She says, since it's in his control, he's not going to remove it from his mind, right? Just because for a moment it's not usable, like he'll take the pot off the stove or he knows that when he's finished cooking, the, the beans will be uh, edible again. Right, we're talking about where it's be de Since you're dependent on factors and circumstances beyond your control, maybe when those circumstances are disfavor disfavor you, they're unfavorable to you. Maybe during that renders it muktzeh, since it's out of your control whether the raisins are dry enough. They're not dry enough. They're not in a state of being edible. They are in a state, whatever it is anything that's in an, a state which is in the hands of God that where it's unaccessible to you where it is uh, where it is inedible let's say let's say it's it's not edible or it's uh, unusable so that's where the question is does the fact that this item fell into that state of not being usable at some point in the middle of Shabbat does that now make it muktah despite the fact that at the beginning of Shabbat when we usually determine what's muktah and what's Muktzeh, which is during the ben Hashemashot during the twilight period of the beginning of Shabbat the, regardless of that we do we say that a think and lose that prepared status and become muktzeh in the middle of Shabbat because there was a temporary period where it was unusable it bounced back from that period but maybe so that the Gemara leaves that as a question at this point when it's a circumstance outside your control that's determining the reality does that muktzeh status could it be possible for something to fall into a state of muktzeh on Shabbat or Yom Tov in the middle of the day